KC3, we are in our fourth week of this series we've called Unique, a series that's all about you. And in this series, you're discovering, I'm discovering things about ourselves that maybe we never realized. The beautiful thing about this is we're also discovering things about people we love, our spouses if we're married, if you're not married, you're dating, you're learning things about the person you're dating, or, or maybe you're a parent, you have kids, you're learning things about your kids, kids are learning things about their parents. And this is going to enhance all of our relationships. It's going to help us connect on a much deeper level and enhance those relationships in, I think, a very meaningful way. And one of the things we're doing in this series is there's going to be a number on the screen in the lower corner throughout the message each week. You've seen that. Where if you have questions during the message, uh, something I say that you want to know more about or it triggers a thought in your mind and you think, hey, what about this? Feel free during the message to text those in. And then I will answer the most common questions on a video this afternoon. That will go up this evening on social media. If you're, if you're connected with me on social media, you'll see that. And you'll be able to go right to the YouTube channel and get the questions and answers. We call that You Ask from Sunday morning. This week, we are in week four. But so far, we've covered in this series, Unique, we're going through a, a tool, really, called the Enneagram. Ennea means nine. Gram means written down. The Enneagram, about nine different types of people, and you find all of these different types of people in the scriptures because we're told that God made us in his image. God knew we would be like this. And so we're looking at the different types of people, but it's much deeper than a personality test. It really goes to how you and I are wired. It goes to what motivates us and how we process what we see in life and, and why you may see something totally different than the way your spouse sees it or your parents see it because we're all different. In week one, we talked about the reformer, and we covered that, that type. In week two, we talked about the helper. Last week, we talked about the achiever, and this morning, we're going to be talking about number four in the Enneagram, which is the individualist. Now, this one is very, very unique, just like the series says, everyone are unique, but I want to say just a word to parents for just a moment. Parents, if you have a child that's a four on the Enneagram, you might be tempted, if you're not a four, to want to help them modify some of their behavior, to want to, to help them think differently, because fours are, are different, that they're unique. And I want to encourage you as parents, don't do that. Let them be who they are. God wired them that way, and it is an incredible blessing, as we're going to see in just a few moments, to all of us to let a four be a four. This number is also very special to me, because my bride, Angie, is a four, and one of our kids is also a four. Now, if you're a four this morning, there's some people that you may know that were fours. Vincent Van Gogh was a four, Michael Jackson was a four, Angelina Jolie is a four. But the bigger picture in scripture, we're going to look at a four, and if you grew up in church, or maybe you've, you've studied your Bible, when I tell you who we're going to be looking at that was a four, hey, fours, you're not going to like it. But part of the reason you're not going to like it is because the person we're going to talk about in many ways has gotten such a bad rap. We know about a moment or a brief season in this person's life, and it's something that they themselves wouldn't even be proud of. But there are a lot of things that we haven't recognized, and there's a huge upside. And so uh, I want you just to be aware of that, keep an open mind as we look at this passage, and understand that if you are a four, you are incredibly special. You are the kind of person that helps make life beautiful. First Samuel tells the story of King Saul. 
King Saul in the Old Testament was a four. And here's the story. First Samuel chapter 10. The Bible says, later Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. Now I want you to remember that word Mizpah. We're going to come back to it a little bit later. This particular place, something unique happened in history. And we're going to come back to it in a few moments. Later Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. God's perspective, God's position was you don't need a king, I am your king. But those people in that day, in that culture, just like many of us, said, no, I I want a king. And so sometimes what you do in life, sometimes what I do in life, is I will put myself on the throne of my life because although God should be there, I kind of want to be in charge. I want to make the decisions. I I feel like I know the direction that's best to go. And maybe that's you as well from time to time. But the children of Israel wanted a king. Now part of that was because Samuel's getting old. And they know Samuel's two sons. And they don't want Samuel's two sons to be the prophets that are leading things. And so they, they're thinking, hey, man, we, we don't want to go that way. You know your sons. You, you may be a great leader, but you haven't been a great dad. And so we don't want that. We want God to give us a king. So they say, no, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. There were 12 tribes, but each tribe had multiple clans. And, and so Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Now what's interesting about this moment in this passage is that at Mizpah years before, the tribes came together and the plan was basically to destroy the tribe of Benjamin because they were wheels off. They were wicked, they were evil, they were messing everything up and the other 11 tribes were sick of it. They gathered at Mizpah and they said, we're going to take them out and yet they don't. And, And so right here we find out At the same place where they were going to be taken out because of who they had been, God picked someone from the tribe of Benjamin in that place. And that's just, I think, a great reminder to you and to me that it doesn't really matter who we've been or where we've been or how bad we've messed up our lives. Our God is a God that even at the worst moments and the worst places in our lives can pick us and choose us and use us. I think it's important to remember that. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. Because fours, if you're a four, you don't really want to be in charge. You don't really want to be leading anything. But often, you're picked. So they asked the Lord, where is he? He's disappeared. And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. He's hiding among the baggage. Because every king, every leader, every single person in this room, all of us have baggage. And often there are moments in life where we tend to hide in our baggage. We tend to drift back and go back to the areas of the biggest mistakes, the areas of our greatest shame, the areas where we tend to struggle the most. Because sometimes it's, it's just comfortable living in the baggage instead of dealing with the baggage or leaving the baggage. It is just what you know. 
So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. And fours, if you're four, listen to me. He stood head and shoulders above anyone else, and so will you. In who you are, in the way that God created you, in the ability you have to emotionally connect with other people and feel what they feel, not just see what they're going through, not just offer to pray for someone, not only are you instinctively creative, you have an ability to feel on a deeper level what's happening in other people's lives. And sometimes the world may not think you're very special, but God always will. God picks from the tribe of Benjamin, which happened to be the smallest and the most insignificant tribe. God picks from the smallest and the most insignificant tribe the one who would be the most significant out of insignificance. It tells me, it reminds me that it doesn't really matter where you came from. It's part of your story. It's valuable. You've overcome some things, but it doesn't really matter that much if you feel uh, shame or disappointment about who you are or where you've been or where you come from. If you look at your family tree and it is all broke, busted, and disgusted, listen, God is able to take from what seems insignificant and small that, that maybe other people might not choose and pull significance out of that. So where you came from and who you are really has nothing to do with what God's going to do in your life. He's bigger than that. It will add to the depth of your understanding of brokenness in the lives of other people. It will help you be more compassionate with other people and what they walk through in life. One of the things I think is important to understand, he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Fours, People can be highly critical of you. And they're critical of you because they're envious of your gifts and your talents. You're different. You're unique. You feel things on a deeper level. You have an ability to be creative beyond what most people are. I believe all of us are created, creative. We're created in the image of God, and our God is a creative God. But, but fours, you, you have an extra dose of this. You, you have greater abilities when it comes to this. But, but notice... Verse 24, then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. There is no one in all of Israel that's like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. There is no one in all of Israel that is like him. And fours, there are not that many that are like you. In fact, out of all the numbers in the Enneagram, all nine numbers, there are less fours on planet earth than anything else. You're special. You are distinctly unique, and you have a deep gift of connecting on levels that most people are not able to. You have a deep gift of being able to create and seeing the creative in, in things that other people would see and think, oh, that's, that's not that big a deal. You could see what could become of that. You can see what can become of stuff, and you make something out of it. You can see what can become of relationships. You make something out of it. You can see what can become out of people, and you help make something out of them. God uses you in that way. So fours, you reflect God's goodness. That's what you do. I'm sorry. You reflect God's uniqueness. You reflect the uniqueness of God. Remember when God told Moses in Exodus, then the Lord said to Moses, there is no one like me in all the earth. And then the prophet here is saying of King Saul, there's no one like him in all the earth. The uniqueness of God is what you help reflect. 
and Saul is chosen as king, and he disappears, and he's hiding in the baggage. Hey, fours, you'll never feel like you're supposed to lead, but often you're the only one who can sense and feel the direction of God. Often you are thrust into leadership roles by default because you, you can sense and feel the direction of God at a level that often the other numbers cannot. You don't think you're supposed to lead because you're different. You're not like everybody else. You, you don't think you would fit in as a leader because you're different. You, you, you don't apply logic the way other people do. You don't base your decisions on, on reason or, or what makes sense. You, you base your decisions on something different, kind of a, kind of a soul-felt, this is what I sense God is doing. It's, it's beyond intuition. It's something that is a gift that God has given you as a four in how you process things. Your core motivation is significance. You want to matter. Parents, if you have a child that's a four, you will send them to college one day perhaps, and you will pay for a a $100,000 college education, and you'll be so proud when they graduate, and they will go get a job making $10 an hour because they're doing something that matters, and they're making a difference. Fours don't chase money. They chase a life that matters. Fours don't want to build bank accounts. They want to build a better world, and they want to help people in the way they can with their gifts, and they want to create something that's never been there before. Notice verse 25. Then Samuel told the people what the rights and the duties of a king were, and he wrote them down on a scroll and placed it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent the people home again. Now when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, Saul gets a bad rap. I mean, we know the story of Saul. We know how it all ended, but there are some things we may not know. For example, notice this, he fought against his enemies in every direction. When Saul was king, I mean, you think about where Israel's located geographically, surrounded in that day and often in this day by enemies. He fought against his enemies in every direction. He led the nation in that way, and they were victorious. He performed, Scripture says, great deeds and conquered the Amalekites, saving Israel from all those who had plundered them. See, Saul as a king was deeply loved. He was adored. And he led the nation in a way, he he fought in every direction, anything that would come, anything that would attack. And and often he felt it before others did, and he knew where it was coming from before others did, because he had that unique ability as a four. The Bible says he did great deeds. In fact, Saul was so loved that even after David was anointed as king, there was a 30-year civil war. Because of how much the people loved Saul. He was a great leader. And the truth is, he was a greater father than David was. He had a moment that wrecked his leadership. And fours, it's something you and I have the ability to avoid. I'm not a four, but those of you that are fours, you have the ability to avoid it. I think that's why God gave us this passage and this story in the scriptures so that we can learn from it, so you can embrace and chase the good things in the life of a four that King Saul had. You you can learn from his example. He fought in every direction. He did great deeds for his people. He was deeply loved. He was loyal to them, and they were loyal to him. But where he made his mistake, you can avoid that. The inner need of a four is to be unique. You want to matter. You want to not just be, but feel special. Your inner need is to be unique. And you want that to be noticed by other people. 
You want it to be something that's special about you that other people are aware of. You, you don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Last week we talked about the threes and the threes, the achievers, man, you, you want to wear the name brand stuff and you want to make sure it's got the logo on the clothing where everybody notices you're wearing it. Uh, fours, you don't want to do that. You want to be unique. You want no logos. You want to make your own clothing while on a missionary journey to India. You, you want to do everything you can to be as unique as you can. And what you try to avoid because of that is being basic. You don't want there to be anything common about you. You don't want to be seen as ordinary. Ordinary is boring to you. Life is bigger than that. There are more opportunities to create in the things that most people don't see, and you chase that. You don't want to be basic, and your focus, your focus is on what's missing. You not only see, but you feel what's missing in the world. You not only see, but you feel what's missing in a relationship. You not only see, but you feel when the Christmas tree is up and the decorations are on it, you can feel and sense there's something missing. Angie, my bride, once the tree is up and we've decorated it, she will redecorate it almost every day until Christmas because she feels and sees what's missing. And I've, I've learned to sit back and watch because when it comes to decorating in our home, whether it's the tree or a room, she's creating a masterpiece, but it happens over time as she continues to feel and sense, not just see, but feel what's missing. You sense that. And you sense it in your own life. And as a four, often you sense there's something missing. And sometimes you're not sure what it is. It's hard for you to find it sometimes. Your course in, your course in is envy. You need to leave the enviogram. You need to disconnect because sometimes because you're so creative. You can look around at what other people are doing that are creative, and you see an image on Instagram or, or, or on Pinterest, ladies, maybe you see it on Pinterest, and someone is doing something in a creative way that you've had that thought before, and somehow they beat you to it, and that drives you crazy. You can't stand the fact that that's taking place. You want to be the most creative. You want to be the one that is noticed for how special you are. And it comes from a good place because often, People don't recognize that in you. But God does. Every single day, God's aware and he sees how you're wired. But you have to be aware of this core sin of, of envy. It's what God saw. It's what captured him. And if you're not careful as a four, you can become so occupied with who others are that you lose sight of who you are. You can be so consumed with what somebody else is creating or how they're using their gifts and talents in a unique way. You can become so consumed with that and spend all your time focusing on and thinking about that, that, that you are absent from the things that you could be creating and what God has called you to do. And people can become your focus instead of God. And what other people are doing, if you're not careful as a four, if, if they're taking away some of your light that should be shining on you, you can begin to actually hate them. See, here's the thing about creative people, about people that are individualists, people that are, have this special, deep, emotional connection with, 
with life and relationships and art, the, the thing you have to understand is you're not the only one. So you've got to become okay with the fact there are other people that are created. You become okay with it or you'll be undone by it. You've got to recognize there's some other people God has given creative abilities. Your fear is being unnoticed. And you can slide into the trap that Saul fell into of thinking, well, if, if they're noticing David, they're not noticing me. Do you know people can notice more than one person? People can notice more than one accomplishment? People can see the value in what someone's doing and what you're doing all at the same time. But there's this fear because your core motivation, remember, is significance. The thought of taking up space on this planet and never doing anything in your entire life for which you would be noticed is mind-blowing to you. You can't tolerate that thought occupying space in your mind. It's how Saul felt. Chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, we read these words. This was their song. This is what people were singing in their country, in their culture. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his tens thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands? Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. One of the most tragic sentences in all of Scripture. Someone that God had uniquely gifted, someone that when the people cried out, we want a king, God had chosen, God picked Saul. The person that God had wired this way and gifted this way and set the stage, the person who fought the enemies in every direction, the person who did so many great deeds, so much so that the Spirit of God thought to record it in Scripture and keep it for us to be aware of and know about. That person. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And for the minute, you put your jealous eye on someone else. You take your eyes off of your God and what he has for your life. And you can become consumed with envy or jealousy, focusing on other people instead of focusing on God and who he is. And you can be, you, you can be so overwhelmed and consumed with how you feel, you can lose your faith. Saul, in this moment, forgets that God picked him, God chose him, God gave him the ability to lead, God created him in a unique way, God gave him the ability to fight in every direction, God gave him the ability to do all of these great deeds. Instead, he becomes overwhelmed and consumed with how he's feeling, and his faith begins to fade. Or when you're functioning in an unhealthy way, that's going to happen. The underlying emotion of a four is shame. Shame ultimately is an underlying deeper emotion in twos, threes, and fours. But the shame for the four is, is the shame that you feel in being ordinary. The parts of you that you feel like aren't special enough. The areas of you that aren't, aren't creative enough. And so fours, I, I think there's a verse that would be great if you would jot down, maybe memorize this, maybe, maybe when you get up each morning read this over the next week, every day, until next Sunday, Psalm 139, verse 14, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Fours, you are complex. It's who you are. God wired you like that. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it because you know you're complex. In fact, sometimes you're thinking things or feeling things and you don't even know why you're thinking and feeling them. But God made you this way. 
because you are a gift to us in what you're able to process and how you're able to process that's so far beyond what most of us can absorb. To be healthy as a four, you need to embrace gratitude. Don't look at what God has given David and what God is doing with David. Embrace the gratitude of what God has placed in your life, the creative ability he's given you, the uniqueness in the way that you're special and and you're the only you, and if you decide not to be you, we all miss out. Embrace gratitude for how God has made you. But when it comes to others, hey, if you're a four, the best thing Saul could have done is to look at David and see the beauty and the talent that David had. Fours see the beauty and talent of others as a good thing. If you're a four and you're, you're leading a, an organization, if you're a four and you have people in your company that work for you, if you're a four and you're a leader of any kind, it's important to understand you want creative people around you. You want people that, that are intuitive on a deeper level around you. You want people that are emotionally connected. You need people also that are logical and reasonable. You, you need all of that. But as a leader, you don't ever want to be the smartest people in the room. You need to see the beauty and the talent in others as a good thing and not be jealous of it. All beauty and talent reflects the glory of God. And there are people that God has given beautiful gifts, much like you. There are other fours in the world, has given incredible talent. Learn to celebrate that and see it as the glory of God being reflected. Chapter 14, the Israelites fought constantly with the Philistines throughout Saul's lifetime. So whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted him into his army. See, Saul did it in other cases. He recognizes that guy's talented, that lady's talented, that that guy has some special abilities, that lady has some, some unique abilities, and he would bring them in. They have unique strengths, and he would put them around him. And it's part of what made him a great leader for so many years and why he was so loved that it took a 30-year civil war when someone else was chosen as king. See, if you're not careful as a four and you're functioning in an unhealthy way, when you see talent and gifts in other people, hey, when it's all about you, it's a threat. But if you're functioning in a healthy way, if it's all about God, it's a benefit. These people can come together with you and you can accomplish something far greater than you ever could accomplish alone. One of the things we know in life is that insecure people are intimidated by the giftedness of others, so they miss the blessing of others. Saul, if you spend your life being jealous of David, you're going to miss the blessing David could be to you. You're going to miss the giftedness that David could bring to your kingdom. You've got to learn as a four, if you want to be healthy, to to feel your emotions, but follow your faith. Feel the things you feel, but but follow your faith. And maybe part of what you need to do is say, hey, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this person. This person at work who gets a lot of the credit, but it's my ideas and they're unique ideas. The things that I'm trying to do in life, and other people always seem to get to it first. Man, j- just begin to pray that God will bless them and give you even more ideas. Feel your emotions. You're going to feel them on a deeper level as a four. It is a gift, but follow your faith. Now, let me tell you very briefly how to love a four. How do you love a four? First of all, don't put them in a box. They will not live in a box. They'll break the box. They'll get out of the box. Don't put them in a box. Let them be the unique creative genius that they are. Let them feel on a deeper level than you're able to feel if you're not a four. Don't put them in a box. How do you love a four? Enjoy and appreciate how deeply they feel. Learn to enjoy it. Learn to appreciate it. I I have learned and am learning with Angie 
she's able to sense and feel things on a deeper level than I am. So I've, I've learned to value that and appreciate that and, and listen to her when she talks to me about decisions we're making together in our home or, or decisions I'm making with a leadership team in the life of the church. You, you want to value that. Three, point out their, how their uniqueness has blessed you. Because fours, remember, the core motivation is significance. So if you're married to a four, do they know that they're significant in your life? And do they know the way that their uniqueness as a human being has blessed you? Teenagers, if your parents are a four, do they know how their uniqueness has blessed you? Parents, if your child is a four, do they know how their uniqueness has blessed you? Point that out. It's important to notice and to recognize. I remember many, many years ago, many years ago, uh, Nate and Ethan, our two sons, uh, were in preschool and elementary school, just starting elementary school. Nate and, and Ethan, I think, was in preschool, and they decided they wanted to play soccer, and I didn't know anything about soccer. I wasn't used to soccer. I, I grew up playing football, but they want to play soccer. Okay, we're going we're gonna to play soccer. Let's go do it. A and they got on a team, and I remember, I think it was the first game, first or second game of the season, there was a young man, I think, on Ethan's team. as Liberty Kids, and the ball's being kicked around. He he's out on the field for his team, and he's just walking around. He does, he's not even aware there's a game going on. Maybe he noticed a bee, a bee's flying around, and he thought, that's a bee. I, I could be whatever I want. And he was caught up in what was going on around him and seeing the beauty in something around him that nobody else was paying attention to. Now, if he'd been my son, the way I'm wired, I'm not a four, I'd be like, come, come on, you, you, you've got to win. What are you doing? You've got to focus. Hey, point out how their uniqueness has blessed you. How to love a four. Number four, challenge them to feel, but not to be led by their feelings. You're going to feel on a deeper level, but don't be led by that. Be led by the Spirit of God. Allow God to be the one that's leading you in your decisions. Allow God to be the one that's leading you in how you view other people. Allow God to be the one that's leading you in how you love yourself and what you're aware of about yourself. Don't pay attention to your feelings about you that are negative. Pay attention to what God says about you. You're deeply loved, you're created by God, you're wired by God very distinctly in a unique way. He made you this way on purpose. And while many people in the world may not notice it, he does. And you're extremely special. How do you love a four? Don't put them in a box, enjoy and appreciate how deeply they feel. Point out their unique, how, how their uniqueness has blessed you. Challenge them to feel but not to be led by their feelings. And five, enjoy the ride. Because if you're married to a four or one of your kids are a four, it's going to be a ride. There are going to be some great days, and there are going to be some other days, and there, it, it, it's going to be a ride. You'll walk in and begin a conversation if one of your kids is a four, and the conversation starts off great, and eight hours later, it has evolved into something deeply meaningful, and you're not sure what all the feelings mean. Enjoy the ride, because it's going to be an adventure, and that is a gift. See, fours keep life from being boring. And finally, if you're a four... Let me give you a prayer that you could begin to pray every day. If you're a four, God, let me feel my emotions but follow your command. Help me to see my uniqueness and love it the way you do. God, let me feel my emotions but follow your command. Help me to see my uniqueness and begin to learn to embrace loving it the way you do. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I do thank you for every single person in this room that is a four. 
Father, often feeling overlooked, unnoticed, not enough. I pray this morning in a way that only you can. Your spirit would speak to their hearts and let them know how special they are. What a gift they are to all of us. How they make the world such a beautiful place, so much more beautiful than it would be if they weren't here making it that way. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're four, maybe you're not. Maybe you're another number, but when you recognize how God paid so much attention and spent so much time making us the way he made us, how much love that God must have for us. God being that creative to create us so distinctively different, so, so unique, so special. And the amazing thing about our God is he longs to have a relationship that's deeply personal with each one of us. So if you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Christ, man, today's your day. I, I can't think of one reason not to do that, one good reason at all. To experience the forgiveness of the sin in my own life, to begin a personal, intimate relationship with the living God, to have his strength and his power living inside me, to have the ability to tap into his wisdom and his discernment, to follow him in my faith and, and experience more growth in a personal way, spiritually and otherwise, than I ever could. If you're here this morning and you'd like to commit your life to Christ, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of this moment. You just simply pray, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive me of the sin in my life. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. 